Welcome back to Down to Mars. Today's shooting star features Louis Latimer, who invented and patented a process for making carbon filaments for light bulbs and helped install broad scale lighting systems for New York City, Philadelphia, Montreal, and London. Latimer devised a way of encasing the filament within a cardboard envelope, which prevented the carbon from breaking and thereby provided a much longer life to the bulb and hence made the bulbs less expensive and more efficient. This enabled electric lighting to be installed within homes and throughout streets. Latimer understood how power worked structurally to disenfranchise and disempower Black people, immigrants, and the poor in general. This is evidence in both the prose and poetry he wrote during his time about electricity and society. Louis Latimer. All right, so let's talk tech. One of the things that I really want you all to get out of this podcast is at the least a foundational knowledge of tech. Over the course of these episodes, I'll be touching on various tech topics to keep you all informed on the latest in the tech industry. So today's tech topic is InsurTech. And honestly, I've only just heard about this um, or heard the word maybe a little over a week ago. And yes, I'm familiar with the technology and the concepts behind it and how it's being applied, but I just had I had never heard of InsurTech until recently. So InsurTech, for those of you who are not familiar, is transforming the insurance industry with new technology to improve customer experience, simplify policy management, and increase competition. So in the past, um, and even to this day, insurance companies, the industry just has had a bad rep, and largely because of the perception that insurers will literally do anything to avoid paying out a claim, or that they charge too much, or just the overall resentment about paying for a product that might never be needed. I know when I pay my auto policy, I'm always thinking I've never been in an accident. I mean, knock on wood three times. Um, But I'm thinking to myself, why am I paying for something that may never happen, right? And I think we all sort of have those thoughts in our head. And usually these perceptions stem from individuals who, who have either had bad experiences or people who just don't understand what insurers actually do. And so insurance companies are very aware of the negative perception, negative rep that they have right now. And they're working to change this by using technology. So they're focusing more on prevention rather than the cure with the use of connected devices. So we've got in-car monitoring devices these days, wearable activity trackers. So using big data to analyze uh, consumers' physiological information so that they can provide them with the most accurate an appropriate uh, amount of coverage. We've got customer facing apps and then software as a service platforms that manage insurance coverage and payments. And so earlier I stated that InsurTech uh, is about increasing competition, right? And so that's more or less around startups who are creating transformative ways to provide insurance coverage to consumers. And so notice, I didn't say disruptive, I said transformative. And so I've noticed that there are a lot of people who are sort of using the words interchangeably. Disruptive innovation is an innovation that creates a new market of sorts and value network and eventually disrupts an existing market where transformative innovations are innovations that really transform 
an industry, the process of how they do it, but it doesn't necessarily disrupt a market. So there are startups within InsurTech that are creating more transformative, as of right now, innovations. And so I think that the best example is a company called Lemonade. They're a pretty interesting case. What Lemonade does is they are able to offer really cheap home and renters insurance. And they're able to do that by offering really, really low prices compared to their competitors. So they have an NPS or a net promoter score, which measures how likely customers are to recommend a business to a friend of 70. So their NPS is 70 compared to other companies within the insurance industry that average around 20. So that's a pretty stark difference. And I like to think that uh, the reason for them having such a high NPS is not just because of the killer prices that they claim they have, but also because of the customer service that uh, they provide as well. So Lemonade advertises how they use chatbot agents, which really speeds up and facilitates the overall processes of you know making a claim or updating a policy or just understanding how the business works and understanding one's policy. And so this really provides a great appeal uh, for Lemonade. And I think that that's really what's contributing to their high uh, net promoter score. And again, all of this technology that I just spoke of is really what insured tech is about, right? And so it's really transformative innovation. So you might ask, why is this important? So obviously, especially based on the case that I just spoke on, technology can make insurance cheaper, but it can also make it easier to understand, buy, and manage. In turn, that makes people more likely to recommend it to their friends, which is good for the insurer and good for consumers who at times can be very much underinsured. And so if we think about insured tech, we have to consider the impact that data mapping and analytics are playing. So data mapping and analytics are getting better and better at predicting the impact of natural disasters as well, right? And that really helps insurers to better prepare for these natural disasters, which can reduce the impact of thousands of homes and livelihoods. And then if we think of drones and parametric insurance, they're helping insurers better serve harder to reach communities, which enables faster impact assessment and faster payout. So insurance companies can uh, easily, or at least um, at a faster rate, assess you know, the overall impact that perhaps a storm may have had in a specific area. And that helps them to figure out you know, how much money they need to uh, give out to their um, customer base based on that, um, based on the impact that they've assessed. Um, that's great for not only the insurer, but the consumer as well. InsurTech is becoming increasingly powerful, and that's obvious at this point. And if you're looking into you know, creating your own startup that's focused on big data analytics, I would definitely take a look more into the InsurTech space because it's growing every single day and there's a lot of opportunity there. All right, so today we have a very special guest, my father, Lyndon Johnson. I felt it appropriate to have him as a guest for my first episode on Down to Mars because he actually is the one that inspired me to get into tech in the tech space. 
So my father has been in the tech space for a little over 20 years, which means that he has a lot of experience and a wealth of knowledge to share. So let's dive in. Dad, tell us about your career thus far. <laughs> uh, thank you for having me on your podcast. Uh, my career has spanned over 20 years, I'd say over 25 years. I've been in the industry uh, from the time of computer cards to the advent of personal computers to laptops. And now uh, in this era of cloud computing, I'm, I'm looking at it saying, hey, we've gone full circle where we are actually using a big uh, mammoth computer to house all of our, our data, which is really just like back in the mainframe days when we had big IBM 360s mm -hmm. uh, housing our data and everybody was using just one big computer. And now we're back full circle. So I've, I've seen a lot. I've seen a lot uh, from the standpoint of uh, people looking at computers as an isolated, um, specialized tool to uh, the point where everybody, everyone's carrying a computer in their pockets. Uh, these smartphones are no more than uh, small computers. So yeah, it's 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 been uh, an inter interesting ride from the standpoint of. Uh, technology from the standpoint of looking at corporations uh, morph into the entities that they are today where they're trying to uh, become uh, social beings and and digitize everything because back in the day everybody wanted to they, they swore that we were moving away from paper but in actuality you're never going to move away from paper you're going to always have some type of paper trail so I've seen a lot um, yeah, that's a long answer, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, but a very good answer. And so now as I, you know, I, I work in the corporate space, I'm learning how the mentality of uh, most corporations is that, okay, we're either going to go digital or we're going to die. Um, and I, I remember walking um, the halls in, in one of my companies and seeing plan A is to go digital, become a software company, plan B there is no plan B. And so just seeing that uh, really showed um, how a lot of corporations uh, feel like there's just no other answer or solution. Um, so digital really is the future. Um, so with that, tell us what you're doing now. Whatever I want. <laughs> I, it's kind of funny because, you know, I, I, I often think about, you know, I, I do everything from uh, developing uh, code snippets to uh, answering technical questions. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a business analyst and, and I'm a liaison between uh, corporation and a lot of our vendors. So when there's a gap in the software, I can I, I typically develop uh, code that bridge the gaps between what the software can do and what we needed to do. So I, I'm actually a software developer and I'm constantly learning uh, what's going on in the industry. And that's, again, that's a long answer. So a technical analyst is someone who assesses the state of the IT space for the organization and then sort of plots out how to improve. Well, yes. And that's that's a, a good way of looking at it. That you have in in every organization, you have various uh, 
positions. You have technical analyst, system analyst, business analyst. You have technical architect. You have um, project managers. You have uh, product managers. It, it depends on the organizations. You have programmers that may, you know, program analysts that may actually do all of those things. And, and, and a particular role doesn't necessarily mean this, you only do one thing. It's, uh, it's incumbent upon that person to know everything. Yeah. So when we talk about a technical analyst, say, for example, the company wants to purchase a product, a technical analyst will look at that product and say, does that product and technical analyst slash architect, they may look at that product and say, does it fit within our environment? For example, maybe the product that they're looking at is based on Linux and we're in a Microsoft shop immediately somebody should flag that and say, oh, it doesn't fit within our environment. Mm -hmm. um, so it sounds it, like your job, then it allows for a lot of flexibility, though, because you say, you know, you get to do whatever you want. So it's, <laughs> it's defining what needs to be done and um, then sort of defining out your, your project plan for, for the year. Correct. And that's uh, uh, depending on the, the number of products. Sometimes I may want to do something and it's, it's within my, my area for example, mm -hmm. but I don't have the bandwidth, mm -hmm. but the company deems that it's necessary that we accomplish this. Mm -hmm. And so even though I support this particular product that's within my area, it may get handed off to someone else who has more bandwidth. Awesome. So one of the things I like most about tech and the computer science space is uh, the amount of flexibility that roles have, right, or, or how dynamic roles can be um, in organizations and even outside. So I just saw this meme uh, with Elon Musk where it, it showed him like back in the 90s early 2000s, and he was holding a computer and says, what do you do? I build uh, finance uh, websites. And then now it's asking him, what do you do? And he's looking like super cool. And he's got core size. And he says, I build whatever the I want. <laughs> and right. so um, it just reminded me of that when you said that, uh, because, you know, computer science to me, it's, it, there's so much potential. And I think that what I'd like for more people to know is that whatever you really can dream of in your head, you can build out with, you know, a code, a level of code and hardware. And it, and it really allows for creativity come to, to, to surface as well. Um, and so that's one of the reasons why I'm, I, I really love tech. So what keeps you into tech? It's ever changing. Um, what keeps me uh, going uh, at, at this stage of my career is that I, one, I, you, you kind of touched on it. It's, it's the flexibility to do what I want. Uh, for example, if I want to work from home, I can. Um, there's always something constantly changing and uh, I just keep myself sharp. Uh, right now, there's uh, Microsoft is looking at creating an environment where I can do C-sharp in, in for web development, a product called Blazor. And so I'm looking at that and I'm teaching myself that at home and all the tools that I need to do uh, to learn that I can download from the internet. Mm -hmm. uh, I like to put out a plug for Visual Studio 2017 Community Edition because people can download that product and and actually teach themselves how to code for um, iPhones or, or uh, Androids or for the desktop or for to, uh, to create their own web applications or. Yeah, so you can really 
create your own uh, company, create mm-hmm. your own product. You mm-hmm. can do whatever you want to do mm-hmm. and learn and, and keep yourself uh, fresh. Um, so that's what keeps me uh, interested in the field. And if, if I look at you know, myself and, and the fact that there are so few African-American males in, the, in, in this industry, uh, I, can, I consider myself a vanguard insofar as I get to say, you know, talk to people and say, hey, to students, to uh, uh, people that are coming in the industry, and I can get to give them some, some, as you would say, pearls of wisdom as to how to maneuver in corporate in corporate America, not just uh, in technology, but uh, some of the, the things they need to look out for and how to, to prosper in this industry. The industry has changed a lot. Um, back in the day, it was just software developers and they had very few layers. Now you have multiple layers and, and multiple people doing um, specialized things. So it's, it's changed a lot. We have a global uh, workforce that one, we compete with and two, um, we learn from. So it's, it's a give and take world. And being in this industry for so long, I've learned a, a lot and I can do just about uh, any person's, and I know networks and the DBAs mm-hmm. and, the, and the and server guys hate when I say this, I can do their job because mm-hmm. I have my own server. Mm-hmm. I have my own database. I know how to configure my database. Mm-hmm. I know the right questions to ask. And a lot of times when, I need something done. I can make suggestions to them mm-hmm. in terms of how you know things that should be tried, mm-hmm. and so it gives me the the added um, versatility to say, "Hey, when I ask questions of my vendors or ask questions of of different manufacturers about their products, I know what questions to ask." And a lot of times, people don't know right. which questions to ask, and that's very key. So it's kind of like, well, like most industries, right? So you get out of it what you put in. And there's just so much information right now um, on on the internet. So when I'm interviewing people, um, young folks that are, you know, want internships in the company, I always say, listen, go on YouTube, do yourself a favor, take a couple weekends out and go on YouTube and teach yourself how to code, right? How to how to learn object-oriented programs because so, there's so much information mm-hmm. out there. And it's like, do yourself a favor and put that skill because companies are looking for that. What are you looking forward to in, in the future of tech? You said it moves at such a rapid fa- pace, right? So, Well, what, what I'm looking forward to. Flying cars. <laughs> Flying cars, no. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I'm we're, a- we're approaching 2020. I was just talking to one of the uh, my partners and... Uh, we were just saying how 2020 is like a big deal because back in the 80s and 90s, everyone was, you know, foreseeing flying cars and all this cool stuff. And so here we are swiftly approaching 2020. And what do we have to be excited about in tech? Yeah, well, the things we have to be excited about are the same things we need to fear. And uh, AI, um, machine learning, those are the big, um, they're not necessarily buzzwords, but it's been it's been on it's been a, a growing field, and what uh, I'm looking forward to is is, is machine learning, um, being able to take all of this data and apply it to the various business applications. Uh, what fear what I, I fear the greatest is that now that we have all of this data, 
we can actually anticipate different trends, different uh, customer needs to the extent that they don't even expect to uh, receive this particular information, but it's, it's scary. Uh, AI is a very scary industry and it can be misused Mm-hmm. as well as it can be used for good. Right. So on the corporate side, yeah, you know, I can understand where that excitement comes because data, and this is, you know, maybe my uh, opinion, but I believe data is the asset of our era, right? Uh, it's, uh, it's gold. It's, it's our gold. gold. Data is gold. Um, and so corporations, they get very excited because all of this data, right? I was just reading about Amazon, right? And how uh, corporations can tap into their data to help them to, um, figure out what their customers need, right? Yeah, but and so that's very that's very important. But at the same time, uh, it is very scary because you know what I was just talking to one of my friends, and as we're having a conversation, we look up and we see a Facebook ad about that right, very same thing. Now right. that's that's scary to the consumer, right? Right. And so I, I completely understand what you're saying there. Oh, but see, people don't don't understand how much information they're sharing. No one yeah. reads the fine print. print right. They keep saying, uh, <laughs> right. I, I I accept. And I agree, but you don't understand what's going on behind the scenes. You don't understand the cookies. You don't understand, when I say cookies, all of the, the, the nuggets of data that are being shared by large corporations that are watching everything you're doing on the internet. And it's not just uh, one conglomerate. They're sharing all of this information. They're building a profile. Right. You mentioned, you know, we got all of these tools, Alexa, uh, Hello Google, and all of this stuff. And we're putting this in our house thinking that it's making us uh, more... Uh, making our house e- smart more, and more convenient. Smarter and more efficient and, and helping our lives. But in actuality, we're actually giving control of our, our, our daily, who we are to this big cloud computer in the sky. And yeah. that's, that's scary. It that's is scary. actually scary. Yeah. yeah. And nobody's thinking about it. You mentioned... All of a sudden, you see something, some ads pop up, and they're saying, "Oh, we don't do that." But naturally, they're doing it. They are, and, doing and if you watch the commercials, they're sharing that information yeah. that they're doing it. And Absolutely, they, and they, you keep thinking, but they dress it up. They dress they it, dress up, it in up in a in a very um, you know sugar coated way, right? So, oh, this is helpful to you because right. we learned this information about you. But in actuality, it's like, when did I say that you could learn that about me? When I say I agree, when right, exactly. And so, you know, ask anybody is how often do you actually read the terms and agreement? It's never. I remember uh, hearing a comedian once say, like, I'm pretty sure I could have, you know, signed over body parts and I'm not. No. Right. Um, so in a, in a way we have maybe not body parts, but what we're thinking. Our and thoughts, and, and every is, time is they, they do an upgrade, they ask you to accept and agree. Nobody right. reads. Nobody it. reads it. OK, it's such a fast paced world. And, you know, if you have a brand that, you know, you trust. Then of course, so yeah, I can completely understand where why uh, big data is extremely exciting, but but also scary. So last thing, what what advice would you give to someone who's interested in jumping into uh, the tech arena? That's a good one. I, um, I I would say that prepare yourself. Um, you know, there's 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 various. You know, when you say get into the tech field, there. You don't necessarily have to be in computer science per se mm-hmm. to get into the tech field. Mm-hmm. You, you can jump in the tech field and with uh, doing coding for mm-hmm. your uh, iPhone. Mm-hmm. I'd say the best uh, 
advice I can give to someone getting into the field is to be curious. Mm, that's good. Um, to ask questions, how does this work? Mm-hmm. Can I create, you can create a web page in, in geez, mm-hmm. in five minutes. Mm-hmm. And then the question is, if I go to Facebook, how did or how does uh, Mark Zuckerberg put this together? It's not him. It's people behind the scenes. Yep. And so if there's a, a particular widget that they have, how does that how can I create something mm-hmm. that will fit within Facebook? How yeah. can and Facebook has a bunch of APIs. How can I program an API, my own program to fit in with their API? Because if you create this this interface, that interface may become the nugget that, that makes that particular programmer a millionaire. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The sky's the limit. So follow your curiosity. Yes. All right. Well, thank you, Dad, for being on our first episode. And that's all we have for today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. We're looking forward to hearing from you on our social media outlets. If you support diversity in tech, please donate to this podcast to help progress the Jet Constellations Milky Way project, rebranding Milwaukee into the Milky Way, a tech hub that thrives off diversity.